Welcome to episode 19 of the Football United, the Soccer City podcast. It is a pleasure to have you downloading this episode of the podcast. I sincerely appreciate it. Thank you to all the people who support this podcast and the social media pages. This episode's interviewee followed a soccer route that has been followed by many boys and girls in Australia over the past few decades, the soccer representative team route. The travel, extra sessions, the tracksuits, the sacrifice and the ultimate objective to excel and ascend to the highest level. That is an Australian representative youth team and or a contract with a European club. Victor Costable nearly reached the summit of this representative team route. Firstly, he had three months with Leeds United as a 15-year-old, which did not lead to a contract. He then came back to Australia and ended up a year or so later becoming a member of the Australian Joey squad, which is the under-17s Australian national team. After losing the Oceania qualifier to New Zealand and missing out on an under-17 World Cup in Egypt, Victor then returned to the Illawarra Premier League, where he went on playing in a series of successful teams. The insight Victor gives about his journey was fantastic, and it was very enjoyable chatting to him about his soccer journey, especially his insight into Casey De Bruyne. I hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I enjoyed putting this together. Welcome everybody to the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. I'm in the leafy surrounds of Fig Tree here, or Fig Tree Heights as I'd call it, with Victor Costable. Vic, thank you for letting me into your home and... uh, uh, letting me uh, interview you today. Uh, no worries, Tracker. Any time, mate. So, uh, you know, uh, we know each other, um, uh, playing with each other at Bowgania in, in a couple of stints, and we'll get to that. But um, you're a bit younger than me, um, uh, quite a bit, and and you started your career off in Bali. Is, is that your first memories of soccer? Yeah, so I started... Uh when I was five years old, so 1985 at Bally with, um, when my father was coaching, yep. uh, and that, that I remember it well, we used to play on the large, normal-sized fields back yep. then, and uh, we, we lost every single game for, for the, at least the first two years, and uh, it wasn't until uh, we all got a bit older, that, that same group stayed together, and we started sort of winning a few games, not till I was probably, probably under eights. Yep. Um, but yeah, Bally was my first um, first club. Loved it, um, and uh, that's where it all kicked off. And and what about? Um, do you think you were pushed by your parents, or did you always have a ball from a young age? Yeah, I don't know. I was I wouldn't say pushed at all. We were just. Um, it was sort of just. We went when I turned up there and we played. I loved it. Yep. And there was, it, no one had to be pushed. I didn't have to be pushed to play. Um, and Dad was coaching for the first few years, so it was um, nice and easy. Yep. And um, it just it just progressed from there. Once we got to, you know, under nines, Dad sort of stood back, yep. at, like a management role with a couple of the other dads, and um, 
uh, that's Gary Gary Masters took over from then really for for a long time had the same team all the way through really and so I think um, that team that you were involved in from I think it was as you said in your when you gave me your timeline from 1990 to 1992 was that Champions of Champions side that won three Champions of Champions in a row which I think along with a maybe a fig tree team and, and another mm. local team it's still a uh, a record for the Illawarra today? I, I think so. There might have been another team recently that's done it. I, I can't remember. But, yeah, we – that was a very interesting time. So under 10s, we started doing that. Yep. Um, you had to win your little comp. Yep. And then you go all around the state. So our first our trip our first trip away, we all caught it. We were on a big coach and we travelled to Dubbo. Wow. Um, and it was a big weekend trip. It was a very big deal. We all felt very professional. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I've still we've got video clips of that at home, of um, just a few little clips of us playing because someone recorded it. And we won that easily. Uh, and then we progressed through. As you progress through, you end up playing um, the Sydney teams like the Rockdale or yeah. Marconi. And um, um, that first year in under-10s, in a semi-final, we had Marconi up at Park Lee. And uh, I just happened to we went to penalty shootout, and I just happened to score the last penalty. And yep. um, I didn't even know I was ten years old. I didn't even know we'd won. So I turned around to see the other boys on halfway to see what was happening, and they were all charging me, <laughs> charging at me with, with Gussie Masters leading the charge, and it was all <laughs> hugs and hugs and kisses. And then uh, we played the uh, final. I'm not sure if it was a week later or two weeks later at um, Parkley again, and we beat a, a Menai team. Um, that was the first one, you know, we won. I don't know how many Ballard won then. I don't think yeah, I don't they'd think, won. I don't think they'd won any. But it was, um, it was a, we sort of were taken in our stride, but the parents, like, it was a very, it was a big deal. I don't think, we didn't quite realise. And then... Because um, who were some of the, the boys you were, were playing with? The, the boys, the local boys, there was heaps. So a lot you, we'd all know. There was um, Luke Rolls in yep. goals. We had Ricky Aguilera, yep. Dale Masters, Matt Clark. Um, so we had back then. I was a def- I was a sweeper. Okay. So I was behind uh, basically Clarky yep. and Dale. Yeah. And they were very solid, especially um, those two. They were they were very good. And then we had um, Zorin. Yep. Um, Zorin Kristeski. Chris- that's him. Yep. A beautiful player. Very who, skillful. Who I think at one time held a, either an Australian or Guinness Book World <laughs> Records for juggling the ball. I think he's got the Guinness. He did at the time. Yeah. For, for juggling. Um, Robbie Mastriani. Um, Adrian Mayoni, there was um, Paul Lynham. Yep. Um, very, very good players, especially for 10-year-olds. We, we sort of... Um, and we won that easily that year. Yep. Um, uh, and then it continued on under 11s, the same sort of path. You go out for the first game to a regional or Western, Western New yep. South Wales and uh, it gets progressively harder. But we... Yeah, we... We won that threes in a row. Do you think um, in that under 11s and under 12s that you guys ended up being sort of marked men in a sense that teams then knew who you were after the first title? They, I think they did, but it also got us a little bit of um, put a, a target on a, a target on our back at the local level. Like that's not to, so our biggest rivalry was probably Unandera and yep. Fig Tree at that yep. time, and they were they were very good, and they just they normally just missed out on winning the comp to us. So. They didn't get that opportunity to go to yeah, the champs, the champions, which they would have done pretty well. They might have won it themselves. Um, but the teams we played and uh, further on, like when we were under 11s, under 12s in this champs, the champions, it was, 
I'm not sure if we played the same teams. It was yep. um, it was different. different so it was young young kids. Um, it was pretty pretty special, I guess, when you look yeah. on back in it now. But at the time, you just thought, well, this is normal in a sense that you win your comp and then you go and play yeah. this other competition. We thought it was easy. Just thinking now, there was one team called the, the Gunners. They were a Campbelltown side. Yep. They were our biggest threat. We actually played them most years at a, at a quarterfinal stage or something. Yep. And uh, our, we nearly lost to them a couple of times. Um, but uh, we, were, we were blessed with Gary Masters. Yeah, Gussie is, uh, is his name. Yeah, with Gussie. He was um, very intelligent and very... Um, for that age, at 10, 11, 12, the, uh, tactically minded and just um, kept it simple. Um, and a lot of teams just didn't have that knowledge of, uh, have a coach, I don't think, with that knowledge. And was able to portray that, get that message out to, yeah. to kids and to do it. It was because, um, you know, we'd come in half time, we weren't necessarily winning all the time. And um, he was very calm, told us what we had to do. And we'd do it. And it would help with Zyron and. Robbie Mastriani was good in the day too. You know? yeah. They'd scored plenty of goals. And what about um, yourself? Uh, do you look back on it now and even in, in this sort of uh, preparing for this interview, did you, do you think that um, having his sort of structure and, and tactical nature and, and the way he went about things, um, because I know, I know Gussie as well and he's, I think I've had him a couple of times just as a standing coach and he's brilliant. Mm. Do you think that sort of preparation and detail then helped you in your teenage years and, and later on to sort of understand and, and where you went to and what you did? 100%. So once I then pl- tried out for the Wolves in under 13, so I left the, I left Bali, left the yep. junior, the local soccer, and um, played with the under 13s Wolves, 14s Wolves, and carried on. Now, they were good coaches, but um, some of the things they were saying, I'd, I'd, I'd think back to Gussie and go, shake my head and say, that's... That's actually wrong. Yeah. I, don't, I don't actually... So I'd actually go back to what I learned with Gussie and I'd just take that on. Yep. Um, and he could have easily coached those teams, but there's other factors, you know, yep. wh- whatever they might be. Um, but I definitely, like you say, even when I was older, he came, when I was at Bally Seniors, he came back and filled in. Yep. Um, he'd be exactly the same. It was, it, was, it was brilliant. And he'd have a sense of calmness around everyone. Everyone listens to him. Because yeah, no, he knows definitely. what he's talking about, and he's good. So, um, yeah, definitely took that on once I left. Um, once I left the junior soccer club, went to the Repla. We definitely took his advice on. And what did you think of going from that club team, which sort of had some rep soccer at the end of the season with Champions of Champions? What did you What did you think of the rep scene? You know, did you miss a little bit playing with your mates or being at that younger age, 13, 14, 15, you just made new friends? I did make new friends, but I did miss playing with, um, with the Bally boys. Um, I loved playing reps. I loved going to Sydney yep. and playing against those other clubs. And I loved beating them. But I'd see in the years... I, so the under-13s, when I'd left Bally, they still... They, the, that Bally team still played Champions of Champions. Yeah, they didn't win that year, but I went and watched them. Most of them... Um, most of them were still playing, and a lot of them could have played for the Wolves, I suppose, but they didn't want to, or parents couldn't, lots of reasons. Um, Yeah, but I I miss them a lot. I love playing with Bally, but I love playing rep. And and in that, um, you know, you're saying in your junior days at Bally that you were at Sweeper, so in your rep, that rep period there, those three years... 
did you still stay at sweeper or was that when you started sort of moving up the field into a midfield or attacking position? Yeah, I stayed. I, th- I remember staying sweeper when I started because I'd come out of the Bally setup and I was used to it. But they, they started realising I was fast. Yep. So they wanted, and, and the formations changed. There were no sweepers. They sort of yep. ended up getting rid of those. So they put me on the, um, on the wing. And um, it, was a, it was normally a 4 4 2. So I was on the right wing. I always had someone behind me, didn't have to do much defending, <laughs> which is good for me. <laughs> You've seen me defend. And, uh, and I was just, I, I remember playing, Rick Aguilera was in the, would be centre midfield. Yep. And he would just um, play me all day long. Yep. And um, to the point where his father said, You need to stop passing it to Victor all the time, it's very obvious <laughs> from the sideline, you need to start playing to the other, to the other boys. But um, yeah, and then from there, uh, I stayed on the wing and then I sort of graduated into a sort of a more of a striker role, probably not till I was 17, yep. um, which is when I left the Wolf setup and um, met the uh, Casey De Bruin, and and how, how did that come about? Because you you're playing rep football there, you you're doing pretty well, and and um, some some good players that you played with. So before we get to to Casey, I guess, uh, what are some of your memories of that that will set up and and some of the team, some memorable games, or some of the players and and coaches you were with in that five year period? My my best memories of the rep is um, just the I loved. Traveling, uh, with you know, albeit to Sydney most times, but I loved playing. Um, you know, back in NSL days, you had the clubs like Marconi, so we were playing those junior yeah. guys. And to me, that was my idea of, um, of you know, me being. I, I thought I was half professional. I thought yep. this, is, this is it, and I and I loved it. Um, we had some some good games. Um, uh, we did win a final in Blacktown in the pouring down rain, and we lost a couple of finals. As well, um, the coaches I had. Um, uh, Robbie Hernandez was a yeah. coach. He was um, a, a good Euro- Uruguayan boy. He was a very good soccer player and he used to play. Uh, he was a striker for Rarilla yeah, back in the Premier League days. Um, he was very good for the attacking side. Yep. By his own words, he said, "Look, defensively, I- I- I'll do my best, but." Um, I remember him saying that I can really help the strikers and the attacking guys. We can do a general setup of the defence, but my yeah. advice, I, I can really help the attacking guys. And he's cutthroat. Yeah. He is. He, he was um, full on. Very ruthless. He was ruthless, but very good coach. I love yeah. that. Yep. Very direct. And um, he knew what he was talking about, especially with the strikers. And he taught us a few little things around the box. Um, you know, like the, the D at the edge of the 18-yard yep. box, he would gauge that. Because you've always got your back turned to goal as a striker. Yep. That was his gauge on the field where yep. basically each post was. Yep. So he knew if he controlled the ball with his back turned, he'd look at the ground, Siri was in that D, and he'd yep. know exactly where the goals were. Little things like that. And there were a few other things, but he was very good. Um, I ended up leaving from there. My father wasn't... Um, Impressed with the wolf setup at the time. Yep. Because you are paying a lot of money. Yep. Um, it's a lot of travel. It's a lot of effort for yep. my dad. He's, yep. he's driving us around. His thought was, look, I think you can go 
uh, at the time, back, it was now the De Bruin, Casey De Bruin stage, I believe you can go with him and gain yeah. a hell of a lot more than you will with the Wolves set up. Yeah. So I ended up leaving, and Rob Hernandez um, at the time... And that time, was around 95, was it? 95, yeah, yep. 95. He was, um, he was against it because it was the local Premier League where yep. his, his thing was, well, that's always going to be there. Okay. You know, go to the Pre- Illawarra Premier League's going to be there forever and a day. Yep. Play rep as long as you can. But I didn't end up leaving. Yep. Um, and so, Casey, uh, you're saying in your timeline um, when you made that move in '96 to go to Lysarts, he um, he came round to your house and and had a chat to you yourself and your parents. Yeah. So I think it was um, it would have been about '95. So I was with the Wolves. Yep. He saw us play uh, a game. Um, in my memory, I was at Park Lee, we were playing yeah. someone. Now, his, when he came over to our house to have a chat with myself and the parents, he was, the game that he saw, he said, there's a lot of talent out there, but there's no system. Yeah. He said, just playing a 4-4-2 and out you go and all the best. Yeah. Where, where Casey's um, very structured, you have a system to play to. And his thing was, come with me, um, I'll teach you how to play in the system. I'll get you playing with the men yep. as, as, mu- as much as I can. Um, and I'll teach you how to play to this system. Um, and that was the... That was really the, the beginning of me leaving the Wolves. Um, went to Lysarts. Yep. And... Um, so, I, how, I, so how was that transition for you that you went from this rep set up um, you're going to Sydney now, you're back in the local leagues. Obviously, yourself and, and your parents had made that decision and said, well, this guy knows what he's talking about. Mm. You want to learn a bit more. So how was it transitioning into... And Lysarts at that time were probably... That was probably their peak time, I guess, as a club. They were... They were good, yeah. They had a lot of... They were strong in all three grades and always yeah. were. Casey had played the same system in all three grades, so... Yeah, he did. Um, How was it for you going, I guess, amongst the men and, and um, training with them? And Oh, yeah, I loved it. Um, yeah. I didn't miss the rep side then. I, was, I had 100% trust in Casey De Bruyne. He was, um, he's a motivator, mate, and yep. uh, uh, very, very smart um, and very driven with soccer. Like, talk about – I'd never met anyone, a coach, as committed to the game at that stage of my life as him. Um, and to me, he was very committed to me. So yep. I needed to um, respect that as well. Yep. So um, that drove me as well. I didn't want to let him down um, because he he'd seen something in me and yep. wanted to help. So um, I um, did a lot, a lot. So I was mainly playing youth grade. Yep. You know, there were those weekends where I'd then back up for reserve grade as well yeah. and sit on the bench for first grade and get 10 minutes here and there. And, um, but I was, um, I was getting up at six in the morning before school yeah. twice a week, um, going down to Lysart's training with Casey yeah. and then going to school. Yeah. And then some days I was even getting there before training with him an hour early and then we'd do our normal training with the team. So he definitely was committed to you, and you were definitely committed to yeah, doing no, the extra it. work as well. I loved it. He, he taught me, a, uh, he, he, not just me, there was a lot. I mean, he taught everyone a lot. So um, was there other, other guys there as well doing the Eventually, extra work? some others came in. So the early morning starts, ended up doing that with um, Dennis Djurjevic. Yep. Um, because once the Lysarts thing, that was uh, winter, 
Winter comp, the yep. Premier Summer, Casey got a job at the New South Wales Institute of Sport. Yep. Um, and Dennis, myself, and uh, Chad, Chad Bishop, we, we all went. Yep. And um, that took us to about when I was about 16 years old. Yep. And that's when um, things started getting um, pretty serious for me because um, there was the under-17s Joeys were coming up yep. and um, there was talk, you know, you had a big chance of making the Joeys and uh, that made me a bit nervous and uh, a lot of expectation. Well, um, if I don't make the Joeys, well... What's all this been for? Well, I don't know, who have I let down? And yep. So it got, um, I was doing a lot of, so you got school, a lot of travel, mind you, his dad as well, and Dennis's dad. Um, and training started picking up and Casey was getting very um, specific about, and I'm talking about uh, specific things like how to take on players from certain positions in the field, yep. certain, ter- certain angles. It was um, very new to me because I'd never had that sort of... So it was very nuanced, very detailed. It about- was, it was brilliant. Yeah, but you have to work at it. And his he's mantra is work ethic. Yeah. Um, it's other things too, but without the work ethic, you're, you're wasting his time. You, you, won't, you won't look here. So um, that, I was never lazy, um, but I, um, I worked hard for him. And um, that also taught me to work hard. When you're not playing well, yeah. you work hard. Just keep going. Yeah. Just keep working. So that sort of um, did that sort of when you got into the uh, the Joey squad. Before that, um, you made a New South Wales countryside, and so that was is that you were selected out of the New South Wales Institute of Sport team, or how no. how, how did that go? So I um, through the New South Wales when I was playing with the Bruin up at Park Lee yep. at the New South Wales uh, Institute of Sport. You, there were trials for they have a national tournament, state versus state. Yes. But I, being living in Wollongong, we were classified as New South Wales country. Right. So you had New South Wales metro, okay. country, yep. and even had northern New South. So effectively three teams in New South Wales. <laughs> um, and there was this big national tournament at Park Lane with all the states turning up. And oh, that was uh, you know that was like a World Cup for me, you know, being fifteen or whatever, bare fifteen, and um, um, you know, you're playing a round robin, and anyway, we fluffed out. We um, I was devastated that tournament because there were I knew there were scouts there. Les Shineflug was there, yep. who was the current coach of the Joeys. Um, he was there. Uh, there was a other scouts there from England from a. Um, it was a. They were called the big. They were called the Big Brother. Um, sort of a Big Brother Foundation. That's what they called right. themselves. They were going to pick two players from that tournament yep. and fund them to go to Leeds for okay. um, two or three months, whatever it was. Yep. And I knew they were there. Everyone knew they were there. We'd been training in camp for the best part of six weeks to prepare for this, yep. and we basically fluffed out. And, and this I, was with Casey as well training. The, uh, uh, no, the. the Casey didn't have this team. We had another coach yep. whose name's left me, but he was a good coach. Yep. We, um, we didn't make, make it through the rounds. We lost and drew and all the rest of it. Um, and I got injured. Now, there was a man in charge of the New South Wales Institute of Sport there by the name of David Lee at the time, yep. who has since passed away. He was a beautiful man. And we got on very well. 
Now, I knew I didn't have the greatest tournament. We had a, good, uh, we had a, we had a pretty good team, but we just didn't do well. And I got injured against the ACT or someone like that, and um, I was upset because we were out of the tournament. And the coach came up to me after the game. He said, we're out of the tournament now. He said, if you want to make it in this game, you're going to get hit by players and you're going to get targeted by players. You need to stop sulking yeah. and get on with it because you may or may not make it, but you need to stand up for yourself and learn that this is going to happen. And I was just upset. Then they asked me to go to the cafeteria, which is up the other end of Park Lee, because David Lee wanted to speak to me. Yeah. Sat at a table with all these other men, and he said, these are the men from Big Brother. Yeah. I just want you to um, say hello and, and introduce yourself and had a five-minute conversation, which I, I felt very awkward. Yeah. And I left, and I thought, what? Uh, I didn't know what was going on or why I'd met them. And clicked. I started thinking, maybe, are they? Anyway, they ended up telling me, that myself and another guy called Victor Tomasevic had been selected to go to um, Leeds in a few months and all the rest of it. And um, so I rang mum and dad and that, actually they were there and um, it was a really big deal at the time. Yeah, how were you feeling at that moment? Because you'd worked before school, yeah. after school. Yeah. It obviously had been a focus for a long time. Yeah, I was, um, I, 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 I was a bit surreal. I couldn't believe what was happening because... Harry Kuehl at the time, uh, who was currently in the current Joey setup at that time, he'd yeah. signed for Leeds and was becoming a big superstar. Yeah. So Leeds was a little bit more on the map, especially in Australia. Yeah. And now me and, me and the other Victor are headed there and um, I was just, I just, I don't know, I was in um, fairyland. I, yeah. I, I couldn't believe what was happening. Um, and we left, we left together, me and Vic, for... Um, a few months later, got on the plane and off we went. And what, what about bizarre. your parents? They must have been pretty happy in some respects because, you know, it's not just uh, uh, yourself doing that. There was a lot of sacrifice from them in terms of taking you to different places oh, yeah. over the years. So they must have been happy that... They were, they were happy. Mum, they were all very emotional, right? And it was... Very, they put in some... Only at 15, right? And yeah. A lot had gone on, you know, <laughs> in the last few years. To get to years, that point. And very quickly. And... Um, why, you know, what's happening? Am I going to go to... This is what was going through everyone's head. Am I going to England? Am I going to stay there? Mum's like, you're only 15. Are you coming back? Like, what if they want you to stay? Yeah. Um, so it was sort of a bit of an unknown. And um, uh, we went. And um, it was a huge culture shock when I got yeah. there. And um, very good. Um, so was, you but, get off the plane. Uh, you then... Um, is there then another plane to... To get you to Leeds or... We got off at uh, Man- Manchester yep. Airport and we were met there by... Uh, oh, no, sorry, I never caught a train yep. to Leeds and we were met there by a Leeds official who drove us to the um, to Ellen Road. Yep. And um, I was just a fish out of water. It was, um, you know, this huge stadium. All When we got there, they were all training. Yep. Back then, the training fields were just outside the stadium. Right. They're all training, yelling and screaming. As first grade was there, the youth grade was there, reserve grade was there. And they walk us into the stadium. There's um, huge uh, uh, dressing rooms and cafeterias, and um, even just the laundry. The laundry was, you know, huge. Just, yeah. They had full timers. I just didn't know what was going. They had gyms in there, and pretty much the next day we were expected to be there and start. It was um, 
And then the whole training regime. So was it more like a sort of a hostel situation in terms of where you slept and and where you, where you were, or you billeted out to we, someone else's house? Or? Yeah, so that uh, I was billeted out to um, Leeds. Basically, pay families, yeah. um, local families, to um, take people like myself in yeah. for the time being. So did you and um, the other Victor were used together there? Or yeah, we stayed in the same, same house. house. So that was, that was pretty good then? Yeah, yeah, it was very good. And the family um, were a beautiful family. They had young kids and we had our own room and they did everything for you. They washed, yeah. they cooked, um, and they were really, really nice. And it was freezing. We were... Um, uh, training in the snow. Yep. I was freezing. the The grounds were rock solid. It yep. was, it was awful. We got our own kits, and you're expected to, especially as a new person. I want to stay here at that point in my yep. life. I don't want to go home. I want to sign with Leeds. This is the best thing ever. Yep. And I'm trying my best, and of course, I'm, I'm still jet lagged. Yep. Um, I'm freezing. Um, the other youth graders. Uh, you know, I'm only 15. They don't particularly like me um, <laughs> because I'm looking to stay there and kick yep. one of them out, I suppose. And um, it was difficult, but uh, you, you make friends and yep. you're training twice a day, gym work, you know, um, tactical stuff. And, of course, we're coming in. It was December, so mid-season, and we're expected we, – we, played with them so you've got to jump into their little system and I found playing the trial matches the most difficult um, because they've got to trust you to play as well you don't know their name everyone's names and yep. it was just hard it was just hard um, but I did okay so was it, was it a you know those sort of um, I talked to Michael Sandilab about it in terms of uh, when you get your kit and that and um, was it was it cool just to get the Leeds kit and, and you know have the track suits and whatnot? Yeah. I guess you had a bit of it in the rep football, but this is taken to the next yeah, level. Yeah, no, this, this is different. So, all right, back then, one of the one of the one of the things I remember happening was I had um, my big fluffy hair back there. Yeah. Right? You got all the kit on. The, and... We'll call it the Italian afro. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and uh, anyway, they had um, they used to have school students just coming through doing tours around the stadium. Yeah. So. Uh, there was one session we'd, we'd finished up walking back into the stadium at Ellen Road to have our showers and all the rest of it and um, a school class was coming through and I just happened to be at the end and anyway they had, they had no idea who I was yeah. they just saw me um, with a tracksuit on and I'd come from the main field yeah. as training and so they all begged me for an autograph. So I, I stayed back and I signed about six kids' little books, <laughs> which would be worth absolutely nothing right now. See them on eBay? Oh, I loved it. <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, back then the first graders were um, uh, Gary McAllister was playing. Um, in the youth grade at the time was um, they had some uh, uh, Alan Smith. Yep. Um, even um, Robbie Keane yep. at the time, and there were a few other. And Alan Smith, I remember him being a grade A psycho. Yep. But I look back now and I go, that's that's why he made it because yep. he wasn't the most uh, sort of gifted on the ball, but he was 
he was all about himself and he would stop at nothing, even at that, um, to get to that age. Yeah. Where he needed to get to. When I came home, I remember seeing him come on the TV for, as a substitute uh, when Leeds played Liverpool at Anfield. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was like, I'm better than him. But in, uh, in actual fact, uh, I wasn't because he was, um, he had a, he was driven. And I, looking back, I, you've got to be that cutthroat. So it's more about not necessarily your skill set as um, as a player. The mental capacity is important as well. Yeah, very important. You've got to have your skill set. Now, if you're at that level, you're all going to have some ability. So that's that, that's that's okay. There's going to be people with more ability. But if you've got good ability and you're at that level, you have to be driven. Yeah, you have to be. You have to be number one. So how many games did you play when you were over there? Oh, uh, probably. Probably about three weeks of training, and then every weekend after that, um, uh, I was home before Christmas. So, um, so sort of October, November, December, yeah, you had yeah. And uh, and and what was sort of um, in the latter part of time? You know, you said you thought you were doing okay. Were you getting any feedback about how you were going, or or not uh, necessarily? Not, not not really. Like I remember, at, at the, they're saying you're going okay, but. Um, they were looking for another Harry Cure, right, I reckon. Um, but at the end of the day, they, uh, they were happy with the other victor as well. Yeah. I remember that. He was a different, he was sort of a, a wing-back type. Um, solid, really strong, solid player. Um, and there was talk of staying longer. Um, and then there was passport issues as well. Um, I only had an Australian passport at the time. Vic is a Serbian background, um, and I don't think he had a a dual citizenship either at that time. It all went fluff. There's no problem. We left fine. The time was up. Thanks very much. And we came home. And what about yourself mentally when you got told, look, you're not staying? Uh, Yeah. The the hardest part about that is telling everyone when you come back home. So that was your only issue, that you gave 100%. Yeah. You did your best. Yeah, I did. You did pretty well, but obviously it wasn't what they wanted at the time, which can be many things. That's right. But you were more worried about coming home and having to say that. Yeah, because everyone wants to know how you went and what, what it was like, and that's normal. Um, one other thing I didn't mention was Harry Kuehl up there. Now, he was very good, and I don't just mean on the field, I mean with us. Yeah. So he looked after any Australian that would that was part yeah. of this process. Yeah, yeah, and it was just um, although he was only probably seventeen, probably not quite eighteen at the time. You, oh, everyone knew, and um, he was playing first grade still, and everyone's just in awe of him. And um, so it was nice for him to, um, you know, acknowledge that we were there and a bit out of our depth, yep. you know, coming out the side of the world. And um, so he he sort of would, you know, without doing too much. Put his arm around you. How's everything going? If you need anything, yep. yeah, top bloke. So that's a nice touch, yeah. isn't it? When you're yeah. halfway across the world and yeah. you know trying to follow your dream, and then yeah. someone else just gives you a bit of a yeah, a bit uh, just a just a bit a, of a positive, yeah, especially someone like that. He wasn't yep. he certainly wasn't a snob. Um, so yeah, like you say, come home and um, back end up. You tell everyone what happened, yep. how it went. 
end up then they end up playing at the New South Wales Institute of Sport and things like yep. that. And then there's the prospect of the Joeys. Yep. And um, that's a whole different. Uh, that's a whole different part of my life, though. Yeah. But do you think um, having that in your back of your mind um, sort of took away some of the disappointment of not staying longer at Leeds? That because you still had that. Yeah. If you had didn't have that to sort of look forward to, do you think the disappointment would have been greater? Yeah, probably. Um, there was still pressure on me at the time to make Joey's, <clears throat> um, which would have been even worse for me but at the end of the day this is the way it goes so the joeys was interesting so back then you would they would only select you if you were involved in your institutes statewide uh, nationwide so if you weren't playing for the new south wales institute of sport or the ais or the equivalent in victoria and all the rest of it my understanding back then you didn't get a look in because they couldn't look at everyone. They yeah. wanted they. If you're here, you, you, you're of a certain standard. So if you're in the institute, it's the best of the best. So Pretty much. They. It's no point looking elsewhere. Yeah, and obviously, great players weren't playing at the institute sport for whatever reason. Maybe yeah. their parents can't travel. Maybe yeah. whatever. Couldn't afford it. What, yeah. That's right. So one day I got a letter at home, randomly from. Uh, so this is after coming back from Leeds. After coming back from yep. Leeds and the prospect of the Joeys now. It's been a year later and this is a, could happen. So I get a letter from um, the FA. Yeah. Um, uh, opened it up and started reading it home. I was 16 years old and said, Dear Victor, uh, thank you very much for your attendance at the under-17s Joeys in Canberra. Um, however, unfortunately, you have not made the... Um, the cut and you will not be uh, required for the next series of selections blah blah now I'd never been to any trial for the Joeys so it was like a template letter and you're thinking I didn't go to this thing yeah so I go dad read this and he's gone (laughs) I don't know what that's about so Casey De Bruin gets hold of it and um, rings me back a week later going you've got a trial at AOS next week with the Joeys let's leave it at that (laughs) <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so some sort of administrative uh, error. It's, it made me, it was very frustrating and poor form. Yeah, definitely. Sitting at, you know. Um, so I went and um, it, it, it was like for, the, these trials went for, um, you'd stay at the Academy Sport in Canberra for three or four days and yep. they'd put you through your paces, fitness, everything. Um, lo- lots of things. Um, I made the next cut and eventually um, over the next few months it came down to 20 of us in camp yep say 25 of us in camp during that camp they cut it back they're taking 18 to New Zealand which is where the qualifiers were now they had to cut one person or two sorry two people on the last night of these trials in 2018 yeah so we're all at the academy, we're all in this conference room and Les Scheinflug's up the front and he's giving us a whole speech about being up, don't be upset if you don't make it, um, yep. this isn't the end of the world, you're only 17 and yep. all the rest of it. And I was sitting next to this um, bloke, he said, so the two that aren't coming, uh, he pointed at someone at the front row yep. and then he pointed right at the direction of me and I didn't know who he was pointing at and he just 
stood there, Les, in his German demeanour, uh, made me get a haircut, made me cut off my beautiful locks, I might add, because you can't <laughs> play soccer with long hair. Um, and the other one who copped that was Marco Bresciano. He had to cut his hair off too. Um, <laughs> and he pointed at me, and I thought, that's it, I'm gone. And he just... Then he said the name of the bloke sitting next to me, and that's it. I said, I'm in. So he broke down in tears, the poor bloke. But you were sort of on the verge of... I held it in for him, yeah. And I thought, this is it. I'm going to go to a World Cup at under-17s. Oh, this is the best. And um, So you're part of the 18. Yeah. Now, um, that was a great time. I mean, they were paying us um, a lot of money for 16, 17-year-olds. We'd walk down into the into this room once a week, and um, they were giving us five hundred bucks just a week for just expenses. And the FA was just paying it. Yeah, six. So everyone would go to camp, go into Canberra, and and do what sixteen-year-old boys would do, and just muck around and buy things and be well, silly. Luckily, there wasn't mobile phones. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So, well, maybe even back to the. Uh, can we talk briefly about the the haircut? So, so, so you're not joking around there. No, you know that, that was serious. How did how did that interaction take place? Did Les come up to you and go, "Yeah, Victor, you can't have hair like this." So, pretty much, I need much, you to get a haircut. I knew what was coming before I got there because uh, that's we all knew how Les was, and we all knew he's very. Uh, very straight and hard and you're almost scared of him which I didn't like um, because it, I thought that might have restricted us playing in, yeah. in freedom because everyone was more scared of him than yeah. you know than him being he wasn't so personable I, I just didn't think he, he could have been better in that regard but that was his style and it yeah. worked for a lot of other Joey's terms um, yeah so we we're all sitting down when he said no long hair and he pointed at um, there's a few others but my, this is the problem with me, right? My hair was more important to me at the time than soccer. I mean, how dumb is that? <laughs> and, and, and so, haircut, point you at me, and then he pointed at Bresciano, haircut. I look at the others, and, I, and there was a few of them, and I said, I can't. I can't. I was prepared to walk. <laughs> <laughs> so I went and got a... Um, I went and got like a half haircut. So it looked like a stupid bowl, curly bowl. <laughs> He wanted it above the ears. I should have got it all cut off in the end because that looked worse. And uh, I remember seeing Bresciano in the barbers. He pretty much has got a normal short back and side, so he's safe. Um, do you think there's any... Um, do you think if it was in these days of the hashtag, it would have been hashtag save Aussie Italian... <laughs> Italian... Bold. Afros? <laughs> And I, and I guess um, I know you well enough to say that I don't know Marco, but um, you know you guys now would probably look back and go, "Should have oh, I love my hair that much? I haven't got much now." So yeah, yeah, keep it while I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, he was um, so that that's that's how uh, Les Shineflag was. And so was there was definitely discipline in camp and heaps, and and not just the hair, but I guess it was an overall approach of hey. We're serious. We're we're here to train. Yeah. We're here to win. We're here to get better. Yeah. And um, that, no discipline. That, and that was You're part right. of it. Yeah. Hundred percent. You were gone. Um, yeah. He was. I was a little bit um, wary of him, and I, I, that that held me back a bit. I think. Do you think that's because Casey and a couple of the other coaches were, you know, um, 
were a bit more personable, you know, you yeah. you had a good rapport with them and then well, when you go to these camps it's someone you don't know and it, Yep. And that's life I suppose, but it's an interesting point. So I would say Casey De Bruyne was probably even harder than LeSean Flug. But I wasn't scared of Casey because he um although he was hard on a lot of soccer players, his hardness had purpose, right? And he would also tell you and praise you when you were doing the right things yep. and um, in, a, in, in a way that I liked and, and, and understood where... Um, but I suppose when you're playing at, I suppose, a national or international level, it's you just... I was young. So who were some of the other guys? You mentioned Bresciano and you had Les as the coach. Who, yeah. Who, who else was around? Some other notables that people... Uh, there was um, Nick Carl. Yep. Um, he's very good. Uh, Jason Kalina. Yep. Um, Travis Dodd he yeah. played ended up playing uh, with Adelaide yeah. in the A-League uh, years later I didn't know yeah. where he went and he's, he popped up on the A-League so he did very well for him so Vic Tomasevic who I went to Leeds yeah. with um, and he ended up having a stint with Central Coast Mariners from you know a, a season or so that's the last I saw of him there's a guy by the name of uh, Eddie Bosner also yep. played. He's apparently got the um, fastest, talking kilometres per hour, free kick. He played in, um, he made his money in Asia, okay. playing for in Japan. And he had a stint with Central Coast as well. He was, a, he was a good, strong player. So in terms of the group itself, you know, he's a training hard, but there was a good, I guess, quick friendships developed in, amongst yep. the teammates and whatnot. And, a, lot, a lot of that, yeah. And so you, you're then heading to New Zealand, which, you know, apart from the disappointment of Leeds, this was a focus for, you know, a, a period of time for you and others. So you must have been stoked to, A, oh. make that 18 and then be going to New Zealand. Yeah. So to me, we were 100% going to the World Cup. Yep. This is easy. So we've got the island nation still back then. So we're yep. playing Vanuatu Oceania. and all that. Yep. Um, and it's a round-robin tournament and then a grand final at the end. Winner of the final, off you go. Had New Zealand in one side of the draw and we're in the other. Um, and it was training, camps, tactics every day, catching a bus and I loved it. We had all the gear. They gave yeah. you everything. How was it? Like it's I the spoke best. to Michael Sandler, but <laughs> it, 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 you know, was it just a great feeling the first time you unwrapped all that gear and... Yeah. and it's just had it. your track suits, your socks, your shorts, training Multiple shirts. Multiple socks, training socks, playing socks, uh, training T-shirts. Every spo- boys and girls dream. Yeah, to... fl- you know, the little flip-flops, out of those yeah. flip-flops, a couple of pairs of them. <laughs> we sponsored by Coca-Cola, so we had Coca-Cola T-shirts, and you're expected to wear something like everyone's... Yeah. We had uh, a roster of what to wear, um, you know, the bags, the big kit bags, the track yeah. suits. I've still got my, obviously, my track suit and my, yeah. my jersey. It was the... The jersey that we wore was the, is 97, so it yep. was the same jersey that uh, the Socceroos wore when they lost to Iran. That, that sh- yep. Um, anyway, so we're in New Zealand, and we're wiping off. Now, I didn't get my... So we had a few trial games against New Zealand club sides yep. first, and I was getting game time there, which was good. Scoring a goal. And what position and, were you playing at that point? On the wing, right yep. wing, in a 4-4-2. And... Um, when the tournament started, um, bench. Okay. I'm on the bench for the first, well, a few games. It, we, and we're wiping, you know, the island nations, no problem. So was New Zealand. The, 
when we just a side note, when we'd go back, we're staying at um, this beautiful hotel in Christchurch. I was telling my wife this not long ago. We would all line up at a big long table yep. and we'd all have our meals, meals brought out to us. Next to our main plates, there were these little plates, saucers, right? And they'd have about four, five tablets on them. So a tablet, a capsule, yep. all sorts of colours. They'd get up and they'd say, right, take them before you eat. No one had any idea what we were taking. No, so, no, no one. The coaches might have. Vitamins, whatever they whatever said they, they were. were. Who, who knows? So that's why when all this stuff comes up, I said to Sarah, I don't know what we were having. They said, swallow it. So we swallowed it. <laughs> um, anyway, that, um, we'd get weighed every day. Yep. They'd um, do all sorts of every day. And um, obviously, your weight went down after the Italian afro <laughs> went, didn't it? <laughs> and I put it all back on. <laughs> um, so when the final came against um, New Zealand, it was a you know it was a little crowd there. Must might have been one or two thousand people yeah. there, or, or Kiwis pretty much. And we were nervous. We'd had meeting after meeting about this game, and um, Shine Flag had watched. Or his managers and the other coaches had watched New Zealand nearly every game to suss him out. Yep. And we were a shoe in. And I was on the bench. And uh, So, had you had any other, apart from bench time, you'd just been on the bench for I all never the other started games? Yep. a game and I um, got very minimal game time, even against the island teams. And it was frustrating me. Very Did you frustrating. get any direct feedback about why, or was just no? I'd no. never ask. Yep. I just went to training, and Did I trained you... my hardest. Yep. And I just, if my time comes, my time comes. Well, we're down one nil. It's pouring down rain, and there's probably fifteen minutes to go. And he says, "Vic, get on, warm up. You're going on in two minutes." So, um, on I get. Grant Barlow was also a goalkeeper in that team. Yep. Who played with Bally. Anyway, um, on I get, right wing, and I just remember being exhausted. Oh, it was so much adrenaline going. Yep. 15 minutes to go, I could see this dream slipping away. And um, how are we losing to New Zealand? I didn't get it. It was not meant to happen. And um, I had one opportunity with about uh, probably two minutes to go. They crossed it in, and it was pouring down rain. The ball, I was only about seven yards out. I went to header it in. Yep. It just skimmed off my head yep. and went out for a goal kick. And that was, by the time they muck around and take a goal kick, it was pretty much over. And it was chaos when New Zealand won. They all stormed the field and they couldn't believe they'd won. And everyone just, I looked around, everyone basically dropped to the ground. We all walk into the dressing room and they're all, they're basically, they're all crying. Everyone's crying. I wasn't. I was upset and I felt sick because, um, you know, it was over. No yeah. World Cup. I was going to a World Cup an hour and a half ago, yeah. and which was being held in Egypt. And so that's disappeared. And then we got the speech from the coach saying probably only the second team, Joey's not to qualify or possibly the third, but it didn't happen very often because we beat New Zealand. Yeah. That was really the only hurdle I had to get across. And uh, that ended that dream gone. New Zealand went to Egypt and got hammered every game. 
but they earned the right. So, so do you think it was more um, they were just better on the day or they handled the, the rain a bit more? or Maybe that. We were too nervous um, when we shouldn't have been. And I reckon that came down to a bit of the coaching. He made everyone so tense. Um, and, you know, play. you've got to play a certain way, sure, but everyone's got to have their own little bit of freedom yep. to go to just when, when time comes to get away from that structure yep. and be yourself. Because they're good players. Better than New Zealand. Yeah. We just lost. They'll better us on the, on the day, and that's the way it goes. So tough luck, eh? And that was shattering, man. That was bad. And so what happened sort of <laughs> post that, that, you know, in terms of, okay, no under-17s, but, um, you know, there's the under-20s team. What happened to you, you yeah. after that? In those next uh, couple after, of years. Yeah, so after that, I um, played... Was that more 97, 98? 90, 97. Yep. Uh, came back, went back to the Wolves youth grade, yep. NSL, and remained there for a couple of years. Yep. So it was Wolves summer comp, yep. went Illawarra Premier League uh, in the winter, back to life science. Yep. Um, now, I thought... Maybe I could play first grade NSL at the time in a few years, you know, I'm only yep. 17. Well, they were doing pretty damn well. And as it Nick Theodore Coppola's coach, yep. I, was a, I was a ghost. Maybe I didn't exist to him, so there's no way. You were um, going to get in? No, there. there's no way. Um, once youth grade was over at the Wolves, um, what do you do? You've got a decision to make. Yep. Do I go try my luck somewhere else, so uh, up in Sydney? Sydney. Um, or do I come back and play some first grade locally. And once you get trenched into first grade locally, you're 99% of the time going to stay there. So do you think, um, looking back to Hernandez, where he said stay in rep rep soccer, (laughs) that was sort of, he was right? I was 100% right. The Premier League will always be there. But I guess uh, that other decision you made, you know, Casey sort of had other links to the yeah. institute and whatnot, so it was a different thing. He did. Like, the, the, my best time, uh, like, I had my Gary Masters time yep. as a very young um, soccer player and developed me beautifully. And then I had this very intense, magical time with, uh, the, I would say, with the Casey De Bruin yep. years. Um, he got me places, uh, 100%. It's... It's about opportunity, right? Yep. And it's about, you know, he just saw me that day, and whatever yep. decision he made, and I was lucky um, because I'm not the most skillful player, but um, he drove me and others, not just me, but, um, yeah, I don't know if... Well, I wouldn't have probably done any of that yep. post-Leeds when I came back from Leeds um, if it wasn't for yeah. Casey, really. So you, you come back to the local league after having a couple of years in the youth grade and um, what were your, I guess, your younger man then and um, sort of coming into your own in that sense. So was it more that soccer was less of a focus? You'd had those disappointments? Yeah. Thought your opportunities out but still played your football? Or? Yep, so got a, got a little groin injury and I was uh, at the Wolves when I was 18 or 19. Uh, Stuart Beattie was coaching then. Great bloke, great yeah. coach as well. Another another good one, man. Um, very good with um, the players too. Yeah. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. And um, I loved him too. Um, but I wasn't good enough then. I could I played injured. I didn't want to miss out. Yeah. You know, should have stopped playing. 
Sorted it out. Sorted it out. Um, Stewie at the time could see it. Um, and although um, he wants to be loyal to the boys as well, there comes a time where he's got he's got to look after everyone. Got to take, himself. yeah, pick the best team. So I left, yeah, and I um, played, I just... So you went to Lysarts initially? Went to Lysarts and um, ended up winning a grand final there at first grade there, which was Phil Matthias coaching. Yep. And, and how was Phil? Like, you'd been part of the Lysarts set up there... You know, you'd been there, so you knew it. Yeah. So how was how was Phil as a coach? He was um, brilliant. So I knew Phil when I was 15 when I first went there, and he was playing first grade. Under Casey, yeah. I looked up to Phil. He was a lot older. Um, God, I don't know how old he would have been if I was 15, 16. Because I think he was even 35. dominating Premier League yeah. in 83 or 84. Now, he's the epitome of workhorse, yep. right? Good player, not the most skillful, not, not unskillful, yep. but... So I looked up to him, and he, uh, he, he's one of the ones who put his arm around me and, yep. um, and looked after me because I was so young, and he was really good like that. Um, then he coached. I remember being a young kid sitting on the bench for live starts when Casey De Bruyne was coaching. Yep. They lost a couple of grand finals. Before the grand final, that we'd have big breakfasts. We'd go out. It'd be a whole thing. Yep. When we made the grand final with Phil, when I was actually starting that year, playing, I played all year there, he kept, he kept everything the same. Turn up an hour before the game. Yep. And we'll just keep our same routine. Yep. And we played Cringilla that day at Brendan, Brendan Park. Yep. There's, I've never played in front of a bigger crowd in front of... There was 8,000 people there. Because all the Massos... Yep. When they, were, they were the main supporters. Cringilla well supported. And... Um, Still a few... Come on, Lysar. Yeah, a few there. Not many. <laughs> they were all there. <laughs> Youngy and that. They were all there. And... Um, we won that. Anthony Guido scored a goal, and I was playing. I was centre mid then, playing against little Rady, yep. who I now now play with in my over thirty fives team. <laughs> <laughs> He's still a very good player, yeah. the age of sixty. Um, yeah, um, feel very good. Um, He's another one with work, the work ethic side of things, and um, a lot of structure. He got a lot of his structure from the De Bruyne days. Yep. And he carried that on a bit too. Very, very good coach, and very, uh, very. He's a nice person. And then you were, then you moved on to Bally for a couple of years with uh, Jock Mundo, I think it yep. was. Yeah, um, and and Jock was he, he's also knowledgeable because he's had so much experience. Um, These Ferry Meadow and Wolves days. Yeah, um, and he was he was sort of. Uh, Good with being casual at the same time about it. So you could relax around him and play. And I wanted to play for him because I liked him. Um, And that was a really good season. Um, One of my most enjoyable seasons at Bally was when we... When Bally was... uh, We were lower division, so division one, we're calling it. And Stewie was coaching. Stewie Oliver here for the rest of the listeners. Yes. And that year we won. Was it the comp? Yeah, we won, we won the comp. Oh, Joe, oh, mate, I had a blast. I think that was, I think that was 2009. <laughs> was it? 2009. Yeah. yeah. Oh, one of my most memorable years, believe it or not. So 29 years old then and playing Division 1. A lot of the, you know, the local boys, yourself, were yeah, all there. Yeah, you were playing with the likes of Dale Masters, yep. Matthew Clark and Rick Aguilera that, yep. that were... Um, part of your junior days and then Daniel yeah. Lewis and other blokes like yeah. that so and it was a great season and it's always nice when you're winning but it was more than that yeah. you know it was um it was fun I think I pretty much um 
uh, well, we'd call it a your ear in the <laughs> final league season, uh, league match against Shellhaven. Yeah, Shellhaven it was. I was yeah. pretty much getting murdered by uh, on the right side of midfield and um, and then uh, we got a goal against the runner play and yeah. my tongue let your ear know about it. <laughs> but, but going back to Valley when you're playing for Jock, so um, really you just got back into the swing of things in terms of um, Premier League and whatnot and then, and then for you... Was it more just um, after that? Was it more about you selected your co- your club on uh, coaches, a bit of the dollars, or, or, or what sort of? Because you played yeah. with a few clubs then. I think you then went to Albion Park White Eagles. Yeah. For a couple of years. The, under the, Steve yeah. Mischewski, was it? That's correct. Yeah. So what got you down to Albion Park White well, Eagles? Well, so the, we had a good year with Jock. Yep. Um, you know. And, and some very good team uh, as well. Like the Frank Barilla striker, Frank Barilla, yeah. he was involved with the Wolves first grade or something at the time, but he'd come back to Bali. His cousin was there, yeah. uh, Joe Bruni, yeah. who was a very good player. Some good NSL or uh, state league yeah, players. Yeah, state that league come very good. Um, then Jock left. Yep. I think he only stayed one season. And I was working at the newsagent. And uh, Steve down at Oak Flats, down at Oak Flats, yep. yeah, where you can buy uh, stationery supplies and all sorts <laughs> of other things. <laughs> he um, he walked in and uh, offered me to play at White Eagles yep. for four hundred bucks a week. Yep, and I was I had every intention at the time before I saw Steve to play another year at um, at. At Bali, so at the time I can't remember. It was Mario Vesho was on the board, or, yeah. or, or and I, it was someone and else. Schiller and that. Yeah, yeah, I sat down with them at Bali Soccer Ground under the little barbecue area, and I just I, I didn't want to. I mean, I, obviously Mario's family, and yep. I knew I'd been at Bali for years, and I know everyone because everyone knows yeah. everyone. I didn't want to lie and yep. stuff everyone around or play. I said, look, they're offering me four hundred dollars a week. Yep. I just want to go and play there, and they said fine, no, no worries. Because um, what were you getting at Bali then? Two seventy five. Yeah. So I guess for the people that are um, non Illawarra listeners, um, there's not too many, but the ones that are, <laughs> that you know, um, I guess now there's the you know the state league and there's the first two tiers. I think um, the Illawarra Premier League's always been a, a very strong comp and a very well supported one in terms of money payments for players. Yeah. So we're probably you know MPL two sort of level in terms of player payments and probably skill level as well. Yeah. So yeah. So you went to Albion Park because you know you, I'm uh, on the committee of Bally and and have been for a while and see what uh, money does, but you can never to a certain extent blame players when you're getting getting off the good money to train twice a week that's right. and play in four hundred four hundred dollars in two thousand and three. Yeah. That's that's well, it's still good money. Well, today. I wasn't the highest paid player by any stretch no, there. But that's still good Yeah. Oh yeah. Easy money. I'd you'd go train an hour and a half Tuesday and Thursday and you'd play. You're gonna play and anyway. Turn up at the club afterwards and Yeah and have a beer and do, you, do that. it was it was look, it was easy money but I would say but um I, to me, I, you know, there's a certain pride thing where, um, to me, it was a lot of money, and yep. I, I was like, well, I don't even know these people. It's a brand new club, yep. um, 
and to be not fair, they were they were very nice and, and they yep. were good good to everyone. Um, and the the supporters there, so that's that was still was a Serbian based club. Yep. They know what that you're getting paid, and yep. if you don't perform, you can hear you're them. You're going to get the feedback oh, directly. God. Yeah, so <laughs> there's that pressure or there's that motivation to play, but I never had an issue with motivation. I, I, I always played as hard as I could for, wouldn't matter, for, for 400 bucks or, yeah. or nothing. Or when you played a belly in 2009 for nothing. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> bit of a bit of a bit of a coup from the president, <laughs> signing you up for nothing. But um, I guess then um, you'd sort of got back into I guess local leagues. Um, yeah. Did you ever think in that sort of period there for Balgany and Premier League uh, and Lysarts as well that do you think you could maybe get back into um, into the Wolves setup or, or you'd no. even though then it was sort of the old NSL was transitioning out anyway. It was about to end up in 2004, 2005 yeah. and died for a year and a half before the A-League started. Did you think, nah, that my chances are come and, and you'd sort of reconciled that in your head? Yeah, I definitely uh, committed to, in my own brain, this, this is, you're working and that's just what you do now. You work yeah. and you play soccer locally yeah. and just do, you know, um, have a good crack at that and I, I quite, I loved playing locally yeah. um, and I'd sort of, years had gone by where, um, I was just one of those now players that was yep. a good, really good teenager yep. um, that didn't kick on and, yep. and, and, and play National League or anything like that. Um, but I was okay with that. I loved playing the, uh, I loved playing the Illawarra Premier League and um, I trained hard. I was still, I mean, I was, I was training two days a week with your club as you do, yep. but I was doing my own thing nearly every other day. Yep. Um, and then in 2004... Out of no, uh, literally out of nowhere, um, yep. Trevor Morgan walked into the news agency because yep. he lived in Oak Flats yep. at the time, and he got a gig coaching Parramatta Melita in the state yep. league. Now that time, Parramatta Melita wasn't one of the biggest clubs in the state league, so he was looking around for some players, and I knew him from years earlier because he's Casey De Bruyne's son-in-law. Yep. So yeah, he um, asked me if I wanted, if I was interested in going up to play for him at Melita, yep. Parramatta, and I ended up t- t- saying yes. Yep. Now I was still playing with Whitey at the time, so they had to sort of put me out of line. Yeah. Yep. And um, there's a few issues with that, but I got it. Um, now they trained Trev at Melita was three days a week. Yep. And and then you're playing on the weekend and. It's, it's so four, days, four days, and I was, you know, I was travelling up there, working, but I did it, um, and I probably only played for three quarters of the season because then White Eagles wanted me back. Yep. Um, and which so how, is ridiculous. So how did you go in that that season with Melita? Because I guess, well, just speaking, that you know, you'd reconciled in your head that okay, what I yeah. did was great. I didn't make it, but that's. No harm, no foul. Yeah. There's a lot of players in that boat, and it's only a small percentage. So, And then you're getting a chance at State League again. Um, you yeah. Obviously, tra- if you're travelling up three nights a week, you obviously were motivated enough to have another crack at it. Yep. Yeah, I was. Um, I thought to myself exactly that. This, I was still very fit, and I thought, I'll, I'll give this another good crack. And, and again, Trevor Morgan, I trusted him, and I knew he was... Um, 
I knew he was going to do everything properly. Yep. So the training was first class, yep. I must say. Um, he had a he had his own fit. We had our own fitness coach up there, so we did very specific things again, yep. which I loved. And I was on 150 bucks a week, yep. which um, pretty much barely just covered the, the petrol. petrol <laughs> which I didn't, uh, you know, I was fine with it. I didn't care about the money. Um, I just wanted to play. So and, how did you go out in the field with Melita then? Um, I he played a. This was now now the era of um, four three three yep. coming in sort of thing. So. I was, I'm too small now to be a striker in, you know, the, yeah. at the top of the tree. I was that one, the right, you know, the attacking right midfielder. Yeah. Um, and I struggled with, it was a different level of fitness. So I had to get that back. And, and he, um, he sort of identified that too. And I got up to fitness um, eventually and we played well. We did all right. Um, we sort of finished mid-comp. Yeah. Uh, uh, like I didn't finish the season with him. Um, um, and we finished um, finished mid comp, but it was uh, it's funny. I I then saw a lot of players in that league that I remember seeing when I was playing in the Wolves yep. youth grade setup. They were playing for Arpia and Bonnie Rig and all that. Man, there's some good players in state league, honestly. Yep. And um, so there is some really good players. So you acquitted state. yourself fairly well, but it was just the loan situation that sort of yeah finished that off. There's a few other things going on. I thought. You know, I'm effectively driving to Sydney four days a week, um, and with with work at the time, and then, you know, to go back to White Eagles, they called me back for a pre-season, because yep. it's their right. Yep. You know, that was silly. I was fitter than all of them, yeah. but that was Steve. He wanted me back, and he had his own, because, you know, he, he's got to get his own team prepared. Yeah, that's right. Um... um and then that was that was it. On after White Eagles that year, I never went back to state league. Yep. Trev ended up leaving because, um, uh, and he got he dug right into his coaching. Trev, he's he's um, Westfields. He taught at Westfields, took on those, and he he did a lot. And he's now what is he? He's now with the Joeys. Yeah. Joeys. So you went back to White Eagles. You you played out the season there, and then and then where did you go after White Eagles? Uh, 2000 and where did I go after White Eagles? Five or six was it? Was it Tarawana then or? It was Tara. Yep. Um, so what led you to Tara? Uh, the Gary, uh, uh, the coach at the time, I've, I've lost his surname. Yep. He approached me. He rang me up. Yep. And said he's looking for a striker. Um, am I interested? He said I'd. He said I'd want you to be. The, I'd want you to be my main striker if, if you want. So I went over there and um, I signed with Tarawana. Uh, another great time with Tara. Because they're a great club. And, great club. And yeah. so you would have great known people. a lot of the people as well. Yep. And so... Um, and I signed there for, I want to talk money, 250 bucks a week, yep. a win, lose or draw. Yep. Um, and we had a really good season. We made the semi-final in a penalty shootout against uh, Dapto, and I missed the penalty. Devo, that was bad because I reckon we would have won the grand final. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I and who were you playing with in 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 that Tarawana team? Guido was there, Frank Barilla was there, Ricky Aguilera was there, Nathan Pegler was there, yep. um, Christian Preto in goal. Um, a few others 
So not blokes that you'd played with, but some of them are good friends as well in terms of Christian yeah. and Rick and, oh, and yeah. the like. You yeah. Know? Um, so that's that. Obviously, apart from being in a great great club that Tarawan is socially, yeah. Um, from what I've heard, you know, you're amongst friends. You're still playing in the Premier League, so yeah, it combined well in a in a that's great. That's right. And you get to a point where that's what it's all about. Yep. You know, um, so it's very enjoyable, um, and. Even even Smeedy came over for yeah, a season. Pub, was there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now that I think about it, yeah. I remember playing against him for ta- yeah. when he was at Bali when I was at Tarra. Yeah, he had a stint there as well. Um, so that you know that that was also nice because I know I know him very well from yeah. from from the Bali days, and he's pretty much first on the team sheet, really. Um, back back in those days. Um, so you had a couple of years at Tara, couple of years at Tara, then back to Bali. Yep. Um, and once I sort of um, then now we're getting sort of once Bali stint was over oh eight oh nine. Yep. Two thousand and ten came around and um, I joined the cops. Yep. Um, which I've since left, but. Playing with the police is it's nearly impossible to play, even at that level, training twice a week. Yep. I've never been one to... Miss training. I want to commit two days a week. Yep. I don't, you know, um, but it's hard, shift work and all that. So it just fizzled out and the years went by. And family play. life as well, yep. obviously. Yeah, family life, other commitments like everyone else. Um, gets hard. But, um, so I stopped playing for a, a, a lot of years and then I've just got back into this community level lately love it and, and in terms of uh, before we talk about some uh, memorable um, uh, moments um, some funny moments and, and what coaches say and whatnot. Um, you obviously um, I think uh, the last time I saw you was uh, you're coaching uh, uh, one of your kids yep and so um how do you how do you how do you see that and how do how do you approach it? Because from what I saw, um, you're very uh, very positive. It looked like you're enjoying it. You're sort of uh, reffing out there on the outside fields of fig tree. So, uh, what did you think about that? Oh, I love coaching the kids. I still coach my I, I have coached my daughter's side. I coach uh, my son's side now under nines. Yeah, so I'm all about being being positive. Love that. Um, because all the local, the junior level, are very different uh, levels of ability in one yep. team, which is no problem. Um, so I, I remain very positive, and I'm trying to teach them, you know, the little things that we'd all that you'd teach them. We'd all try and teach them because we all know, yep. um, and some of them catch on, and some of them don't. But they don't listen at training sometimes. One of them's swinging off the crossbar. <laughs> uh, one of them's running around a tree 50 metres away from You turn your back for one minute and they're gone. So I still, as a... I don't know if it's as a parent or as a coach, that doesn't fly. So I sit them down yep. and they pull that again. They can... We'll go and speak to mum and dad. Yep. And it's all meant to be about fun. And I'm happy to be about fun. But, but now I still discipline them. 100%. Yep. I love it. Love coaching. I will coach. I want to coach a proper youth grade site eventually yep. once I get some time. I love, love to coach. So um, uh, I, I love that and um, I, I will continue to do that. Well, I guess that's a nice segue um, 
into um, let's talk. We've talked about some of your coaches and and Casey and and Gussie Masters and the like. But can you think about if you're going to be a coach? Um, you know some of the things that you'll use from them. You know, um, all right, or, or some of Mate. the fa- <laughs> some of the famous or sayings, or some of them have cliches. And what are some of the things that you you can just remember from some of these guys? Well, Les, even as well. Yeah, well. Uh, like, when I used to have my long hair, um, when I was playing the Lysart's days, it'd be me, Chad Bishop loved his hair, and a few others. There was one time, uh, you, when your half-time whistle came, you just take one look at Casey De Bruin, and you knew we were in the shit. What was coming? It didn't matter if we were winning 1-0 or <laughs> losing 1-0. You just knew something was coming. You'd storm off across the field. And there was one day he blocked the entry into the dressing room. He just pointed to the other side of the sheds, go sit on the grass. So we sat down. No one was allowed water, right, because we hadn't done enough. Why would we need water? He set up cones and we, and we had a training session at half time. At half time, near the tennis courts at Lysart. He got into me about my hair. He got into Chad Bishop. Oh, we give a... Crap about is our haircuts. You go out there and play. If you don't know what you're doing, here, Cones. And we all lined up like it was a Tuesday afternoon and we trained. And so this is not just younger blokes, there was grown men here as well. well yeah, well, uh, what, 19 years old. It was hilarious. Not at the time. We were scared. And he, he did not care who heard, mate. Um, uh, um, he, was, he was one of a kind. Brilliant, but yeah, full on. Um, so that was uh, one of the funniest things I can remember he did. Um, but he'd often have uh, uh, blow-ups. Yep. Um, you just knew it was coming. And, and um, he'd throw things on the, on the desk, his clipboard, and uh, <laughs> he'd give you plenty of warning. And it was, he'd rip you, you're gone, you're off. There was no hiding. And there was, and there was also no, it was black and white. You knew what you had to do. Yep. Um, and if you didn't do it, he, he'd call you on it. And everyone could hear it. And I mean people outside the shed. There was, he, was, he was good. <laughs> um, that was one of the funniest things I can remember. Yeah, a training session at half time. No water. Wow. No water. <laughs> I don't know if that beats uh, Les asking you and Bresciano to get a haircut. Oh, Les, yeah. Les, That's up there. Les, I was, a, I was even younger then. I sort of... Was there any funny moments with Les or because it was such a, a disciplined approach and because, I guess, people were coming from all across the country, you know, and there was limited preparation time that, yeah, you know... Yeah, there was, was no funny time. I don't even remember seeing Les smile. There was no funny times, but he was all business and... And did he have uh, sort of repeatable sort of coaching sayings or whatnot that he'd come out with? No, he was just... Um, he was really into his uh, video and stuff after yep. a session or after a game um, with, a, with a big, huge whiteboard um, of what we did in training and then watch his visualisation on the board. But I can't remember him uh, anything like that. He, he, there was one session up at the AIS with him. I didn't put a bib on, yep. right? I didn't know I had to wear a bib. And he said... Um, he said, you need to go and grab a bib. I said, okay. Okay. No worries. 
no, he said, where's your bib? And I said, I don't have one. He goes, okay. And he's being sarcastic. He said, he said, okay, I'll just this one. He goes, I'll just go get one for you. So <laughs> me, he goes, okay, thank you. Right? <laughs> and I just stood there and he looked at me and he just yelled at me in front of, in front of everyone, all the boys, the squad, yeah. to go get my own effing bib. So I did, and I cried. I remember crying. I couldn't hold it in. Like yeah. I ran off, and the tears were coming out. I thought, like, "Oh my god, stop crying!" But um, the manager come up to me and put his arm around me. He goes, "Don't worry about it. That's just how he is." And I go, "I thought he said he was going to get it for me. I thought, <laughs> how dumb's that? <laughs> that strict old German man going to get me a bib? You did say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I stood there staring at him, like, "Hurry up!" <laughs> oh mate. Uh, so, and, and what about um, uh, what about uh, with um, some of the other coaches in Premier League? You know, Phil or, oh, or yeah, Steve um, or, or or Gary from Tarawana. Yeah, no, the the, the, the uh, Steve. Uh, sorry, um, Phil was Phil was his his main thing was in and out work midfielders. I want you in. I want you out. Yep. And it's a running game with him. He just emphasised that <laughs> sayings that he might have had. Nah, he didn't. He didn't have anything um, in that regard. He was just work, work until yep. you drop. Yep. Because that's what he did, and it worked for him, and it worked for us too. In the end, um, uh, who else? Stewie. Yep. He is one of my favourites. <laughs> <laughs> you could just hit record and it'd be the same speech. So it didn't matter who we were playing, bullseye speech, play for, for the next week against Shoalhaven players. Brilliant. It's, he, he was keep it simple. Yeah. Um, and that worked too. Yeah, and I think he had... Um... I think he had the Billy Ocean sort of sign above the door uh, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. So. <laughs> yeah, every game. It was, it was, it was awesome. And I guess um, for yourself, though, um, there's quite a few times where um, you got to play with... Uh, you always made friends, you know, you're a personable guy and, and very outgoing and, and always a team player from what I've found on and off the field, but... What about, um, you know, you got to play with the likes of um, Christian Preto, Rick Aguilera, Daniel Lewis and Matt Clark and, and, and those guys that you played. So that must be a highlight in itself that in different sort of levels yeah. of football, yeah. you got to play with your mates as well. Yeah, it is. It's one of the, um, it's one of the great things about um, playing soccer. Um, years go by where everyone takes their own path, play other sports. Yep. You can come back, you know, run into, play with Clarkie, play with Dale, even um, I think Paul Lynham even came back. Yeah. Um, you know, so, and it, and it doesn't even have to be on the soccer field. Like I, I even see, I see Clarkie at Little Athletics now. Yep. Um, and I run into Dale down at the, down at the beach and Gussie. We've yep. got the pushing the grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that aspect of it, even, I mean, Ricky Aguilera, he'd be, he'd be the fittest bloke in Wollongong right now, even, um, and and he, I believe he could still play Premier League now because he's that fit. Um, um, but he was, he was so good to play with, like Smeedy, they cover 
position, more than one position for yep. you. Um, and so you rely on them so much. But it's just to come back and play with friends. That's that's really what it, why you do it. I think that's yeah. And at different about. times, I guess you. Did you ever get to play with Luke Rolls and and that again? Or? No, he. Um, well, Rolls he threw in the towel a few years after. Oh, in his teens, he never... Oh, no, no, I did play... I play I'll take that back. I played against Rolsey. Yep. Uh, he played for Northern United, okay. uh, youth grade. And um, I had a one-on-one with him. We were playing at Bally. Yep. And um, he came out of, you know, I was one-on-one. He raced out like, you know, like an idiot laughing. And I he blocked the shot. And that's his claim to fame. <laughs> Brownie was another one. Michael, Michael Brown. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> he was in that northern team too. But um, he, yeah, after that, Rolsey had injury problems, I think, with his knee. But, yeah, um, yeah that was fun. And, and, and now, um, obviously, you're playing over 35, so you've still got a love for the game. You're coaching your kids, so you still obviously love the sport and, oh, yeah. and enjoy being involved and, yeah. and watching it and... And and I, I guess the other thing that I wanted to mention um, that I you know was remiss of me not to was you know you you played a bit of football with your brother as well so that must have been good that apart from the, the yeah. backyard or front yard days yeah. you, you got to play and 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 play some some football different clubs with him as well yeah that's a it's a very actually I'm glad you brought that up because playing so he's five years younger than me now I played a lot of first grade before he even got to an age where he was sort of coming on and playing some first-grade soccer. Now, that was a whole different angle for me with him playing um, because I was... When I was 25 years old, I was established first-grade in the Premier League. Wherever, it didn't matter. So when he got selected to play, you know, he played well, he did all on his own, he could handle it, there's no problem. But there was 30% of me, every time we played... I just had to keep an eye on him. Yep. I, I just had to. And that didn't distract me, but I was like, um, you know, if he, someone tackled him and he shouldn't have got tackled, he shouldn't have had to be trying to do too much, I'd run back for him. I, w- I never did that. <laughs> <laughs> I'd just try and make up for a little mistake that he might have done or... I'd always have that one eye on him because that was just my natural thing as a as brother, a brother for him. Yep. And um, um, I did have to. He could handle his own. He played well, you know. But yeah. um, that's just a it was natural instinct, you know. And um, but I loved playing with him. Um, even if we'd line up in a wall together, we'd you know yeah. say things to the <laughs> to the Dandaloo player. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, he was um, he was a good little player, um, and even he's playing amateurs now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that 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 was good, but that's how I felt playing with him. And did you um, like? I'm assuming um, uh, it goes without saying that your parents must have obviously been proud of yourself, but it might have been even a prouder moment to watch you two guys play together as well. Yeah, well, I think it was the only time Mum came and watched when we yeah. both played together. <laughs> Dad, but Dad was there. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, Mum mum and Dad loved it. Dad, Dad especially, because Dad, I don't know if I could... I don't know if he's ever missed a game. And, and do you think... Um, uh... 
that was part of your relationship with him growing up when you did a lot of K's in the car? Heaps. Um, yeah, me and Dad, especially those teenage years, um, we'd have a lot, he'd, you know, he'd have a lot of advice and a lot of, um, we'd have a lot of chats, especially debriefings after the game. Yep. Um, even that was, so that was as a teenager in the car, but even as a senior, um, when I'd see him at home, when I'd play for Bali or Tara, what do you reckon, Dad? And I knew, I knew when I, I hadn't played well, and I knew when he knew I hadn't played well, it'd still be positive, yeah, yeah. but um, he wouldn't say things like, oh, you destroyed him. No. <laughs> no, <laughs> okay, so I didn't destroy him. Yeah, no, it was good. But yeah, a lot of K's with Dad, a lot of um, conversations with your Dad, yeah, he's, he's been there forever. Never missed a beat, that bloke. Yeah, because um, that's a big part of it. Obviously, um, you know your mum; she might not have done the case, but in essence, she did it as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's right. You know, you know, she had to do. She's still looking after things. That's right. Or used to her in the car, mm. and um, me and Dad would be gone a lot. So, um, and he had to sacrifice. He'd literally come home at work from work early when he was at the BHP yeah. days, and home at four, and we're in the car at four o five. Off we go to Park Lee. It's now and halfway. Yeah, no, it's a bit of a distance. Yeah. So that was twice a week. And so was it talkback radio? Or was it more music? Uh, <laughs> it was all music. Me, well, remember Dennis and Chad were in the car, so there's never a dull moment. Christ. <laughs> so your dad had to put up with that yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, no, it was, never, it was never 2GB. I was on my L plates then too, so I'd do a lot of the driving. We'd be 80Ks, an hour and a half trip would turn into two hours. <laughs> <laughs> let me drive up. Well, you might as well make good use of the time. Yeah. So it's uh, good fun. Well, I really appreciate it, Vic, um, to allow me into your home. I'm very honoured and respectful that you've done that um, and to move the family around so we can speak. So, uh, yes. you know, appreciate um, you being on the podcast and, and, and interrupting your Sunday. I really appreciate it, mate. Thank no, you. No trouble at all. Pleasure, mate. Thank you for having me. It's been a thrill. No, it's been good. <laughs> Thanks, Vic. <laughs> Thanks again to Victor and Sarah for allowing me into their home and interrupting their Sunday afternoon. Finally, thanks again to the listeners for your support and please keep listening. I'm your host, Travis. Goodbye for now. (laughs) 